Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to our evening service. And uh, if you're a visitor here this evening, it's great to have you with us. We do pray that you would uh, enjoy your time here this evening. We're going to be looking this evening at what um, God might say to uh, Stephen Fry and the issues that he's raised in his uh, recent interview. Um, of course, it's nothing new to get angry at the, the suffering that um, we see in the world, the, the suffering that we experience ourselves in our own lives sometimes, and to question God about that. And I'd like to start just by reading from a Psalm 13, in which the psalmist um, throws various questions at God. Psalm 13 says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Let's, uh, let's come to God in prayer. Let's, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the, the good things that we enjoy in this world, the things you've given us. Thank you for his beauty. We thank you for one another, for the people who mean so much to us. But we do acknowledge it's not how you intended it to be. There is a lot of stuff that goes on that we cannot understand. But we know that you are not distant and aloof, but you care. And we thank you that you care so much that you sent your son into this world to do something about it. We're sorry for the things we may have said or done or failed to say or do that have caused pain to others and do us for your forgiveness. And thank you for the opportunities we have to show something of your love to this needy world. Father, we do pray for some of the world conflicts. Uh, at the moment, we pray for the situation in Ukraine. We pray that the ceasefire that started today would be a lasting one. That the people there would be able to live in peace with one another. And there would be no more deaths. I pray that the political leaders would keep the promises that they've made. I pray for the situation in Nigeria for those who have lost loved ones, those who've fled their homes and been traumatized by the violence. I pray for the government of Nigeria and the surrounding countries that they will be able to stop Boko Haram, continue its violence and killing. And we pray for our own community and the issues closer to home. We do pray for the, the grieving families of those who died in the motorway crashes yesterday. Pray for those who are injured and still in hospital. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to see the needs of those around us and enable us to provide help where we can in our different situations. We do lift up to you those in our church who we know are suffering at this time. And Lord, we pray for anyone here who may be suffering quietly. Maybe because of the suffering of someone dear to them. 
May you help us all at our point of need and help us to draw strength from you as the God of all comfort, the God of all compassion. So bless the rest of our service this evening, we pray, and we do ask that you would speak to us, you would reveal yourself clearly to us, and may we all be changed from having met with you this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tom Davis is going to come and bring our reading to us from from 1 John chapter 4. As Neil has said, the reading tonight (coughs) comes from 1 John chapter 4, uh, commencing at verse 7. And it's God's love and ours. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Thanks be to God. Well, Stephen Fry's recent interview on Irish TV has prompted an incredible response with, um, I think, about 5.6 million views on on YouTube, newspaper columnists, TV and radio programmes interviewing various people, including the Archbishop of Canterbury, former Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, So what did he say? In case you haven't seen it, we're just going to show you a brief clip of the highlights of that interview, just in case you haven't seen it. Well, what might God say to, to Stephen Fry? The first, um, I guess, complaint that he levels at God is, is this. How dare you create a world in which there is such misery that is not our fault? 
It's not right, he says. It's utterly, utterly evil. Now, I guess all of us at some time will suffer in this life. Some of you may be going through a terrible time right now. And if we're not going through it now, then the media will constantly remind us of those who, who are going through it, and uh, in some countries of the world particularly so. And we've prayed for some of those this evening. Stephen Fry mentions bone cancer in children, and you know, that is something we are acutely aware of because one of our young people is suffering from that right now. But I guess nowhere in the Bible does it say that the world in which we live, with all of its suffering and evil, is how God intended it to be. What the Bible makes clear is that the world God created was a good world. It was a perfect world. The people he created were, were good. But God gave people a choice to follow him and his ways or to do their own thing. And people preferred the latter. We all prefer to do our own thing, don't we? We, we think we know what is best for us. And the immediate consequences of that rejection of God were that death and suffering entered the world. People would no longer live forever, but their bodies would age and break down and eventually they would die. Relationships were broken and in extreme cases led to murder. But it didn't just affect relationships between people, it affected the whole of the created order. So uh, disease and illness and the insects that he he talked about there... um, Entered the world. But as Krish Kandaya says, to blame God for an imperfect world is is like walking into somebody's home after they've been burgled and criticizing them for the mess it's in. Now, Stephen Fry says in his interview, well, God could easily have made a world where evil was not possible, where there was no pain and no suffering. To which God would probably say, yes, I could have done. I could have made you as a, as a human computer. And you wouldn't have had to worry about where your next meal was coming from. Um, you wouldn't have had to worry about your health, or the future, or the meaning of life. Because part of being human is choice and will and desire. You take those away, and we're no longer human. Take those away, and you lose one of the most beautiful parts of what it means to be human and made in the image of God, and that is the capacity to love. We wouldn't be capable of love as a voluntary giving of ourselves. It would be a mindless servitude. And whether you're a Christian here this evening or not, I'm sure many of you will have heard of weddings, the the beautiful description of love we have in the Bible from 1 Corinthians, where, where it says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love is a voluntary giving of oneself. And if God had made us without the possibility of choosing how we behave, you wouldn't have that description of love. It wouldn't exist. Unfortunately, the price of love and goodness is the possibility of hatred and evil. Let's come on to what Stephen Fry says about the character of God. 
The God who created this universe is quite clearly a maniac, totally selfish. We have to spend our lives thanking him. What kind of God would do that, he says. Now, when we see other humans um, who need to be praised, people who need to be idolized, um, it's not very attractive, is it? And um, when they're in positions of power, it actually can be very dangerous. Now, for some reason, Stephen Fry says he would be happy to worship the Greek gods who, who don't present themselves as being all seeing or wise or kind or beneficent, who accept they are evil and capricious. But why would you want to worship a god like that? Surely, by definition, they can't be gods. And imagine for a minute a god who is not just all-powerful and all-knowing, but also all-loving. Would he not, by definition, be, be worthy of our praise? You wouldn't be forced to praise him. You just naturally have to, to do that. On any questions last week following the, the Stephen Fry interview, one of the uh, uh, audience asked the panel um, the question, what would you say to God at the gates of heaven? And after they flummoxed around a bit and, and felt quite embarrassed about what they would say, the, uh, Jonathan Dimbleby asked the, the person who asked the question, what would you say? And uh, she replied, well, probably nothing. I'd be so overawed, I would be lost in wonder love and praise. Stephen Fry would probably say that God is, is maybe just a product of our imagination, something we've just conjured up. But of course, God, if we're Christians here this evening, we all know is real, that he's actually showed us what he's like in many different ways. Although the world is fallen, um, Stephen Fry says himself, it is splendid as well. Now, we can still see God's power, we can see his beauty um, all around us. The sights, the sounds, the smells, the, the, the animals and birds. Remember that at the beginning of that video we saw, the mountains, the, the deserts, the, the glaciers, this amazing sights in creation. And watch some of those uh, documentaries on TV about planet Earth and you cannot fail to be amazed. And the more scientists discover about the way the world works, the more difficult it becomes to accept that it can be anything other than created by God. But it's not just his power or creativity that will make us want to praise God. At the end of the day, it's his love. And the ironic thing about um, Stephen Fry's suggestion that God is selfish is that actually it's human beings that are selfish, isn't it? The things we, we say and feel and think about, isn't it all about us? You know, what, makes us what makes us angry? Isn't it when we've lost something or someone who, who we value? Or someone has done something to us that has hurt us or offended us? How dare they, we, we say. So why is God different from that? Why do I as a Christian think that God is totally unselfish. Why is he worthy of our praise and thanksgiving? Well, the amazing thing is not that God is able to create the world in the first place, but having seen us mess it up, he should want to do anything about it. You know, he gave it to us to look after, to enjoy, and we rejected him, and we're ruining his world. And he could have just said, well, planet Earth... Waste of time. Human beings, wastes of time. Zap. Just get rid of them. 
God is also outraged at the pain and injustice and suffering he sees going on. But he's done something about it. And what he does is incredible. He actually enters this fallen world. He takes on human nature. And the reading we had earlier from 1 John, it said, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And when Jesus comes, he he heals the blind, he heals the deaf. He heals the leper, the the cripple, the demon-possessed. He shows compassion to those in need, the the outcasts of society. He gathers around him disciples who, who follow him, not because they are forced to, but because they see something in him very different, very attractive. And the more they see how perfect he is, the more they want to stay with him, the more they wanted to give up for him. And ultimately, he suffers the curse of pain in our place. The Romans, the Jewish leaders, putting him to death in a humiliating way on the cross, thought um, they were demonstrating his weakness. But instead, they were demonstrating his power and love, a perfect love, a love that was prepared to die for those he loved, a love that we lack. And he didn't stay dead. He, he rose again, showing his power over death, as we looked at this morning. The power over death that we can never master, but a gift that we can receive. Is this really a God who is selfish, who is capricious, mean-minded, evil? For Stephen Fry to, to judge God, to say, how dare you? is to put himself above God, to assume some sort of moral authority. But I'm sure he would be the first to admit that as as humans, we're far from perfect. However smart we we might be, even if we have an IQ like like Stephen Fry, I'm sure he would also agree that that all of us have limited minds. And the first thing about becoming a Christian is to accept that I don't know everything. But I have faith in a God who does because of what he has revealed to me already. We meet him face to face and see him in all his glory. The only response will be to, to bow down and to worship him. I won't be able to say to him, how dare you? As if he's some sort of equal to me. It'll be, well, how dare I say anything to him? I'll just come on to the final claim that, that Stephen Fry makes because he's, he's got quite angry, quite rightly so, about the pain and suffering in this world. But what's his solution? Well, his solution is to reject God. And this is his reason. He says, the moment you banish God, your life becomes simpler, purer, clearer, more worth living, in my opinion. Is it a good solution to the problem? Well, looking at his own life, not really. Um, Later in the interview, he talks a little bit about why he spent an enormous amount of money on cocaine, that he was not a, a party animal, he felt alone, and he needed that sort of um, uh, escape. But also, if you take God out of the equation, if you banish him, you're still left with the pain and suffering, but you no longer actually have an explanation. Which makes you ask the question, why would someone become angry about pain and suffering in the world at all? You know, if the universe is an impersonal system, if we just consist of matter, our existence is purely random, then where does our 
concept of evil come from? Richard Dawkins um, uh, identified that himself. He said, uh, the universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect. If there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. Why should anyone expect anything other from an impersonal, randomly generated universe? Stephen Fry is rightly outraged at suffering, but that outrage isn't proof that God doesn't exist. It's actually proof that he does exist. And that's the conclusion that C.S. Lewis came to uh, as he um, came reluctantly at first to accept Christianity to be true. This is what he wrote. He wrote, my argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? It is only if we have a concept of love and justice and good that we can complain and get angry when those standards are abused. And as a Christian, I believe that our understanding of love and justice and good comes from God who made us in his image. If you rule God out of the equation, then the only solution you have is to try and somehow maybe make the world a better place so you feel more comfortable with it. But we know from history that humans are incapable of doing that in their own strength. The world is probably a more unstable place today than it has been at any time in history. When we live with God, we actually begin to see the world from a different perspective. It somehow doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around him, and it's a privilege to actually to know him and to know his love. We begin to see the good that God can bring out of evil, and so we don't need to despair anymore. And it means we can do our bit to spread the love of God in a needy world and uh, pray for his peace. It means that when we do go through tough times, and we've heard this evening from Jacqueline about one of the worst things that could happen to us as parents, but when these things do happen, we find strength and comfort and peace in God because he knows what we're going through, as Jacqueline said, because he made us, he's been through it with his own son. I don't feel uh, angry at any way as Stephen Fry. I do feel sorry for him uh, because he does lack something that as Christians we are so privileged to have and that is a hope a hope for the future a hope in the promises that God has given us that we will not always suffer hope that this world is not all that there is I mentioned Josiah who's suffering from bone cancer we pray that God would heal him we believe that he's able to do so but we and his parents take comfort from the fact that his eternal future is secure because he trusts in him. We're grateful to God that having been patient with humankind and and our stubbornness, that he will one day step in and change the world for good. Let me finish with um, some words from the book of um, Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. 
I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you that you are a God of love. That you have demonstrated your love in sending Jesus into this broken, this suffering world. In the world which we as people have messed up. We thank you that you've not given up on us, but you, you long to restore it. And you long to restore us in your image. And we thank you that it, that is possible as we put our trust in Jesus Christ. We thank you that you are a God who can bring good out of evil. We thank you that you are a God who gives us the strength to cope with the tough times that we will go through in this life. And we thank you that you've given us a hope, a hope of a future which has none of the suffering that we go through now. And we will be with you in glory. And we look forward to that day. In Jesus' name. Amen.